Snippet, the short podcast platform. Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Closet Space. I'm Vic Ravindran, and I'm thrilled to be here with you sharing more stories from anyone who has been bold enough to open their closet doors and venture into the beautiful unknown. My guest this week is blowing up right now, so I am very glad she could stop by my little show on their journey to stardom. Allow me to introduce you all to Judy, drag superstar on the rise. I'm so excited to share our conversation covering Judy's journey from in the closet in Arkansas to navigating the queer LA nightlife scene, how she linked herself with the iconic drag house of Avalon, and her future on RuPaul's Drag Race, or as she calls it, the show. Without further ado, my conversation with Judy. Hello, Judy. Welcome to the closet space. Thank you so much for joining me here. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Judy, if my listeners don't know, and as I have probably already set up in my preamble, is becoming a star of LA nightlife. She's a rising icon. I mean, honestly, I would say like the word meteoric comes to mind. Just a shooting star. You're a shooting star, Judy. Wow. Thank you. That's exciting. You've been able to kind of burst onto the scene, not only as your solo act, but now you're kind of intermingling with the House of Avalon, who is also like a now a Los Angeles mainstay, formerly an Arkansas mainstay. Mm-hmm. They're good friends. That's such an amazing journey. So how did you find yourself becoming a part of that world? I met them in Arkansas. I was friends with a person that was going to school near Little Rock. And so I was in the closet in my undergrad and then I would travel down and he was in musical theater. So he was obviously. <laughs> oh, what? Musical yeah. theater? Yeah. He Is was, that a tell? He, was, <laughs> he happened to be gay. So um, I would go down there and we would find someone to soberly drive us to Little Rock. And mm-hmm. so we would go to like two of the queer bars there. And then we slowly started going to the bar that they would throw parties at. So I think I only went to like three before I left Arkansas and then like went back to their house. And then once I moved here, I didn't really go out in areas that they were throwing parties until after starting drag. And then I was like, I'll go anywhere. So I started <laughs> going to their parties. And they were just really helpful with drag and like giving advice and giving me a spotlight. That's so awesome. And yeah. And so, I mean, some of the people that are you're able to get advice from are, you know, drag race royalty like mm-hmm. Gigi Good, Simone and some really amazing uh, other queer artists from the Los Angeles scene, from the Arkansas scene. And so when you think about Judah prior to Judy, the, mm-hmm. the, the star is born. Mm-hmm. How did Judah make that transition to become the star that is Judy? Obviously, Judah is a star in his own right. (laughs) But how did Judah become Judy? And was there a younger form of Judah who couldn't even picture Judy at all? Yes. So I started like experimenting with drag when I had my old job during quarantine. I was teaching, and so I couldn't have a public Instagram. I had a private Instagram, but I would go on these Instagram lives and do makeup and just kind of like experiment. 
I wasn't like putting on a wig or doing what I consider full out drag then during quarantine in the beginning. But I would start experimenting with makeup and then I switched jobs where I could have a public Instagram. And so I started actually getting the wigs, getting some look, doing Zoom drag at a, oh. a bar in the valley that was closed, but they were still doing Zoom drag. So a queen that I had become friends with before that was running the shows at this bar and she let me join the Zoom drag. And then once bars opened up, I performed in person there and then started kind of trying to be seen more in the nightlife in LA and then started taking it more seriously and working on the makeup and the hair and the outfits more. I would love to talk about your younger journey. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. So how about younger Judah? What was it like? Where did you grow up and did that play a factor into how you came out and when you came out and who you came out to? Yes. So I grew up in Alma, Arkansas, and it had about 3,000 people. And it was very much like farmers, a lot of hunting going on, and it wasn't really my interest at Mm -hmm. all. Well, most of the people. And so it was pretty close-minded. So I didn't come out in high school. I was kind of suppressing it even to myself then. And in college... I did a fraternity and even more try to put on the facade. <laughs> so I didn't come out until my senior year and I had quit the fraternity. Mm-hmm. And then I came out not with like a big Facebook post. I didn't feel the need for that. So I came out to close friends and then I said like, you can tell whoever you want at school. And told my dad and my sister who I knew would be the most supportive. And my mom which was more of a struggle and then told my sisters and it was definitely interesting telling the people that were a little bit more close-minded in the small town compared to more open-minded people that lived even just 45 minutes away from the rural Arkansas Mm -hmm. yeah so that was tough but most Mm. people were either neutral and probably talk shit later (laughs) or they were like it's awesome, whatever. But I did come out by saying I have a boyfriend. It wasn't ever like, hey, I'm queer or anything. It was like, I have a boyfriend now. Mm-hmm. My mom was a little taken aback, and that was the main person that I was nervous to come out to. And then she was kind of like quiet. And then I went inside to my apartment in college, and she texted me and said, I'm at peace about our conversation. I was like, okay, that's a bare minimum, but whatever. Yeah, that's a nice, at least a a nice place to start. Nice (laughs) place to start. Well, that's great. And so has that evolved since Mm -hmm. in your times uh, since coming out? Like, has your relationship evolved? And also has your relationship with drag and your your family and other people that you've told evolved? Yes. So when I first started dating my current boyfriend, Bryce, they were a little weird about him coming around with me because they were like, we don't know how to explain this to the kids. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of nephews. Won't somebody think of the children? Oh my gosh. Don't say gay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just one way to do it. Don't you dare say gay. (laughs) And so they like, didn't want us around. And so that was really offensive. So I didn't come around for a long time. And when I did, I was like, you, even just with the adults, I was like, you don't get to be around Bryce because I'm not going to 
them through awkward situations. But then they came around and they were like, let's go out to dinner. Let's bring around the whole family. And that was nice. And I've only told my dad and one of my sisters that I do drag. Mm-hmm. Because it's like such a fun, joyous thing for me right now that I don't want to bring any negativity or shame into it right now. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's it's something that's so wonderfully yours and you're so great at it. I'm excited that you are protecting your art, but I'm excited for maybe one day for the whole world to find out what a big fucking star you are. That'll be a so. day. That'll be a day. I have been thinking about that, like, if I would tell them before the show. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Yes, exactly. A show, whatever a, show that a might be. A certain show. I don't know. The future is wild, but that's on the horizon, I think. I hope. Yeah, I hope for you as well. Now that you are this star, you've overcome, you know, some obstacles in the past and you have this kind of new platform where you're able to really explore your art. People love seeing you lip sync at bars. You put on an, a hell of a show. Nicki Minaj better run for her money. But yeah, I mean, what do you want to do with that platform now? What do you want to what kind of art do you want to share? What kind of performances do you want to do? And yeah, what do you want to do with uh, the new star that is Judy? I would like to do more queer bars. I really love the stage at Precinct. Great stage. So for the time being, I think I would like to go on the show in the future. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that show as if it's the only one. I would like to go on Drag Race at some point. Yeah. Um, but for right now, I want to do, I just want to perfect, I don't know, my style of drag and my perspective mm-hmm. and like, Hard in it, mm-hmm. and I really like performing at queer bars with a stage that's like really tight and right, up right, to the right, stage. Right, right, yeah. I have done like traditionally gay bars in WeHo, and I it's definitely something to get used to because you kind of have to work the room, right? Yeah, uh huh. And it doesn't lend itself to what I try am trying to do. Gay bars. In WeHo, when you're like on the floor, mm-hmm. essentially, it's like that. It's very hard because yeah. you have to stand out among people like eating their brunch. That's it. It's like you're you have to like really you have to really have to steal focus, and like so you also have to be comfortable with like not being the focus, mm-hmm. as opposed to like I, I relate to you because like sometimes when I perform, it's like no no no, sweetheart, I'm performing. This is theater. Yeah, you're, you're sitting down and you're watching and you you're taking in the show, and that's what you do. You're the greatest show woman. Thank you. I did a show on Thursday and people were eating and I, it was like the guy was having a full on conversation loudly at the bar mm-hmm. and I sat next to him during my number and like tapped him on the shoulder and pointed towards the spotlight. I was ah. like, I don't know where you think you are, but yeah. I'm like not doing backflips and flip flops, but I'm doing something that you should be looking at. Right. Bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Also tipping. Yeah. You should be tipping it. <laughs> but he was just eating his popcorn dollar. chicken. And having a beer and just talking to them. And so I don't love that. I've gotten used to it. And nothing against the gals that do that every day. Mm-hmm. They're working girls. And that's Absolutely. something to be committed. But and totally. I want to explore other queer bars because I know there's so many out there that I haven't been to. Like I just went mm-hmm. to Silver Lake Lounge last night. Mm-hmm. And I like that place and other places. But it's just tough. I have a day job to no balance sure 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 keep keep yourself grounded Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll be right back with more from the closet space 
Welcome back to The Closet Space. My conversation with drag superstar Judy continues. And so going back to what you said about hardening your perspective on drag, that's what I kind of like my favorite thing about watching Drag Race is really seeing someone's perspective tested. Mm-hmm. Like just seeing like someone like Evie Oddly or um, Willow Pill mm-hmm. come in and like they are thrown 14 different episodes in the case of the last season, uh, 24 different episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> different. Or like 5,000 different episodes <laughs> of just like, how do you interpret this? How do you interpret this? How do you interpret yeah. this? And do you, can you keep your character and your through line, your fashion sense, your, your mm-hmm. point of view, your perspective, the same? And how strong is your perspective on all these things? What gives you inspiration to find your perspective on drag? Like, what have you pulled from? What mm-hmm. other queer artists um, do you look to? I know House of Avalon is obviously big for you, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, what what really inspires you and like gets like your gears turning when you're really thinking of a performance or a look? I really look at pulling the attention and the full on energy of the, the audience. So I think the the first person I saw do that so well that I was like, I'm breaking with Sasha Valor. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the roses was one thing, but have you seen the I gown video of her, like, with all of the veins mm-hmm. coming up? Vampire. Mm-hmm. I forgot what song it is. But I was like, she's standing there, in that, and she's giving the performance, and she doesn't have to do, you know, tons of thousands of clips. Right, Which yeah. is not to say that that isn't valid, but that's not anything I can do. So No, every queen has their strengths. Yeah, so, I, I am not a splits queen. Yes. You're not a splits queen, but, like, you know. The queens who will, will do that. Yeah. And then some, some people will do other things. So I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, that is something that I can relate to. And so I started really pulling references from pop culture and working in like different songs that you wouldn't technically think were um, related, but then ha- they might have like an overlapping phrase or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I did. Kim Petrus's XXX, and it's so repetitive with I Wanna. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that with a little interlude of Ludacris's I Wanna. La, 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 oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, just mix it up and maybe yeah. throw in like some monologue here, monologue there. Mm-hmm. Related. The gays um, love a reference. Oh, yeah. Too. <laughs> so I, I really like that. I like spoken word. Sasha was a big influence. Gigi and, and I'm not just saying this, Gigi and Simone were influential because they had like intricate things that if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed, but it's like maybe three words that they did a little movement and Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh my gosh, they knew the song that well that they just did like a tiny movement and you were like, they just sold it for me. And I think Rue loves that too. Yeah, totally. It really, I mean, details and lip sync, like tiny little, yeah, nuance, nuance. And I love in a monologue to do like a deep, gasping breath is because i've done like two with crying in it at the mm-hmm. beginning mm-hmm. and i love like <gasps> <laughs> to add that in there and like do a big gasp that's one of my favorites. it also it lends to the realism you're up there you're losing your breath wrapping out those lyrics it's serious it, it is serious yeah when i'm practicing in the car especially the crying monologues <laughs> my face will hurt so bad because it's like oh. so tense uh-huh. and i haven't had any botox yet so it's really yes. creasing, and I'm like, <laughs> like if anyone saw me on the road, they think I was 
fucking meltdown the entire way to work. But I mean, that just, just I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if most of LA traffic looked exactly like that's you true. Did. Everyone's having meltdown and praying, and <laughs> wondering why we moved here. <laughs> well, speaking of LA, LA Pride, what do you look forward to in Pride uh, during Pride season? I always look forward to just like the faggotry. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to You say can. That word. You can say it again. Um, faggotry. <laughs> and just like, just people being so, I mean, not annoying, but just like unashamed. Because I feel like the word pride is the opposite of shame. And mm-hmm. I love when people, it's just like free for all. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it gets, if I'm, you know, completely sober and I'm around a sardine. <laughs> party and everyone's sweaty and completely parked out that's not always fun no but if you're in it and just the debauchery going on that's to me rightful and you know yeah there's something silly always joyous about being like not being able to see a, a straight person for like a couple it blocks kind of. it's like oh we're we're and then a go? family and you're like, oh. ah. it shocks you back yeah and like, yeah there's like some cute little family who's like we brought our yes. kids to pride and we're like oh my friends use we love an ally garish a lot and i think that's that <laughs> sums up pride just getting garish <laughs> garish with each other where could my listeners find you where are you on the internet uh your social media I am mainly on Instagram, so it's just Judy. That's it, all spelled out. Cool. Because if I normally just say just Judy, that's it. They'll type in Judy as if I owned the yes, just the Judy, Judy Garland Instagram. Yes. <laughs> so it's all spelled out, just Judy. That's it. Perfect. Well, um, if you don't know Judy already, um, please, please, please follow and check out their work because they're such an iconic new queen on the scene. And I'm so happy to have uh, given them one of their very first crowns. Spotlight. Those, uh, gold, that golden champagne all those years ago. <laughs> legend uh, star. Your, your first legendary legend star. First of many. Of many. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so excited that people get to hear your story and see how wonderfully amazing you turned out yes. after maybe some uh, questionable times in Arkansas. But I'm so excited that you're here, that you're queer, and that you are very unapologetic about it. Thank you. For having me on this. Mark my words. Judy will be famous, and that life will be awarded to her primarily because she had the courage to pursue and perfect a queer art form that her younger self might not have been able to even envision themselves participating in. I'm so thrilled that Judy's journey to being their most authentic self, whether they are Judy or Judah, has brought them love, a family of queer collaborators, and a legion of fans eagerly anticipating what she will do next. Until next time, I'm Vic Ravindran, and thank you so much for joining me in the closet space.